Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 34 of Destination Linux. Today, we're going to cover Farin OS. We are going to cover KDE, shipping new updates, especially with Kden Live, some canonical news, and much more. With me today is Ryan. How are things going, Rocco? What's going on, man? I've been playing with Solus this week. <laughs> I've been having an absolute blast. We need to rename the uh, Telegram group Destination Solus. That's what we need to it, do. It really has been the hot topic. In fact, I have to say that the Telegram group is one of the main reasons that I went out there and I was like, I've got to go install this because everyone's talking about it. So I put it on my MacBook. And I even released a video out there on my channel about Solus kind of doing a review. But uh, in to, to highlight it all, I'm in love. I, I think it's just, it's so, it, it holds so many things that Ike talks about of the operating system getting out of your way. And you just feel that through the whole process that it just gets out of your way and you can use it. So I've been doing everything from doing some graphic uh, editing on it through Krita and GIMP to, of course, watching, you know, Twitch and some other things that I do with video content. And it's just very snappy. It's fast on a, even a slower and older computer that I have and really enjoying it. What about you? Well, I'll tell you what. I said before that if I could get the programs I wanted, I would switch. So I not only put it on a test drive, I actually got Zoom working with the help of uh, one of the YouTubers, Chuck. And now I switched over to Solus as my daily driver. Oh, man. So I'm running Solus Budgie, and it's running so fabulous, man. I have been able to set it up just the way I want it. I was even shocked at the amount of software that it has in the repos itself. Because before, when I had checked it out before, it, you know, it was kind of limited. And I don't know. It, maybe it was just me in my mind thinking it was more limited than it was, but pretty much every program I have or need now with Zoom, I have with the exception of my private internet access uh, GUI client. Gotcha. I can do it. I can do it manually, but I, I'm hoping Ike will try to implement that somehow into Solus, and that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean that's a really popular VPN, the same one I use, and I think it would definitely be one. That would be worthy of it. Now, he does have a site set up where you can submit software, right, to yep. suggestions and things like that. So that would be a good one to submit. But I, w I think the highlight of Solus, besides the fact of it getting out of your way, is that software center. Um, I had no issues. Now, some within Telegram and stuff have mentioned having issues installing certain things. But I had no problems on the hardware I was running. Anything I clicked, it installed, whether that was... Um, some of the Google Chrome was in there. And yes, I downloaded that. Just oh to my see. gosh, you didn't download Chrome. But I don't use it. I don't use it. Oh, you downloaded it, but you don't use it. I downloaded it just to see if it worked. Uh, and, testing uh, purposes only, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. For science. <laughs> I did it for science. <laughs> so I, I used some of the third-party apps. I installed some of the others. Everything's well-organized, which is something I really appreciate. You know, if you're going to say this is a graphics app and I go into the graphics section, I expect to see things like GIMP in there, for instance. Yep. But on other software centers, I've not had that experience. Some of the categories they use are silliness. So, um, But I really like the fact that you could tell that they've taken the time to make that software center so easy to use. And 
experienced users obviously fall in love with Solus, but a lot of people talked about new users. And I think it's not necessarily geared towards new, it's geared towards everybody, but new users definitely this would be one you would want to recommend to somebody who's saying, I'm thinking about switching, you know, from Windows to Linux. This would definitely be in the top five of the distros, I would say. Go check this out. You're going to have a great experience there. Well, I had a, I have had a great experience overall. I did have one or two minor issues, and one of the issues is the third-party software. So everything out of the software center itself installs instantly. Uh, but I did need to go and and go to the third-party software web page and install some things through the terminal because they didn't install right away with the third-party software. They just hung up. So I'm not exactly sure right. why, but and not everybody has that. You know, I was talking to people in the Telegram group, and some of them said, "Oh, well, let me try it," and they installed, you know, whatever Sublime Text or whatever, and it installed fine for them instantly. So uh, it may just be specific to. Uh, uh, my install that it was having a problem with. The other now, issue that I okay. go, go ahead. No, I was gonna I was gonna go into the other story talking about a, a piece of uh, Solus. So finish up on Solus and then we'll go to the next story. Well, the other issue I had is not a major issue. It's just you know I'm a theme guy, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> surprise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have Budgie set up where the panels at the top, and I have the Budgie panel, the second one to the left kind of wider, almost set up similar to the way Unity is set up. It works perfect, except for the budgie menu kind of goes, when it pops out, when it flies out, it actually goes up to the top of the screen, which covers the top panel, which I don't know if it should do that. Aesthetically, it probably should be coming out straight and not covering the top panel. So you can see... So you can still you should, see your open apps. You should be on the advisement board for anybody <laughs> who is developing themes because you notice things I would never even see. But that actually is a big deal, right? It, I mean, it's a. I mean, it's not a yeah. big deal. I mean, I'm not gonna. It's not something I'm gonna say. Oh, I can't run this because of that. It just seems like it's just a minor aesthetic that needs to be worked on. You know. Well, when you think about operating system getting out of your way, it could be a big deal. But see, I didn't use Budgie. I used GNOME and. No. I really enjoyed using GNOME on it. Now, I did install Budgie the other day within Solus because obviously you can just change desktop environments and switch to it, and it was fine. But I actually prefer Solus with GNOME. I, I nice. really like the GNOME uh, feel with it. It just flows very, very well on a laptop environment. I think GNOME is amazing for laptops because it gives you that app-like feel yep. for a portable computer. So I, I, I'd really enjoyed that. Um, but Solus is a rolling release. So some of those things you talk about could be fixed in some upcoming updates. And in one of our news stories here, Farron OS is also a rolling release. And well, it's just become one, in fact, a rolling distribution. Yep. Now, th this, when I saw this story, one of the things as a newer user of Linux that I wanted to look at is what are some of the downfalls or there is there a community of people? There always seems to be a community of people who are like, I don't like rolling releases. I don't like that all these, because it seems to be the trend now that everybody's moving to this rolling release model. Do you have any insider thoughts on that? Is this ultimately a good thing to be on this model? or? Well, I, let's put it this way. I think everybody gets the latest updates on the rolling release, but you have to be, you have to be somebody that needs that. You know, there's many people that have use cases where they have a machine that is, they need it to be running. They don't want any 
you know, latest update breaking anything. So they need to be kind of stable or semi-stable, you know, with a six-month release or something like that. So not everybody's going to prefer a rolling release, but I would actually prefer a rolling release model. So, uh, and, and one of those reasons I like rolling releases is for the programs like, for instance, Caden Live or other programs that I use heavily, and they've done major updates or changes or fixes that I can get those almost immediately in rolling release environments with their apps and everything else. So, uh, whereas if you don't have that, there's a lot more testing and kind of delay before you can get some of those changes. And that actually has left me in the dark at times where a Caden life had released a version, for instance, where the theme was there and I couldn't cut a video cause I couldn't see the marker anymore yep. and completely left me dead in the dark, um, and had to go out and manually do the updates there. So I think it was ultimately a cool thing, but I just didn't know, uh, if there's some push on that, because I'm just seeing a lot of distributions moving to the rolling release model. But there are other updates with Farron OS as well. What are some more things they've done here, Rocco? Well, they have an alternative themer. In, so this is based on Linux Mint 18.2 Cinnamon. So it's a it's pretty much a modified Cinnamon desktop. And the what they did was they usually had they've made the ISO smaller. So I think this ISO when I downloaded it for 18.1 was like three or four gigabytes in size. Whoa. He, yes, this, this is a big ISO. And he's narrowed it down by removing the some of the themes out of it because what this offers you is it <clears> offers <throat> a huge set of themes from anywhere from Windows XP all the way up to Windows 10. Um, icon sets out the wazoo. So this is something that I actually enjoyed running. Uh, this it ran well, but they've cut down the ISO down to I think he said 2.7 gigabytes, which is still kind of big for an yeah. ISO. But um, that when it when I downloaded it for 18.1, it was for three or four gigabytes, so it's pretty big. So that must be part of he removed some applications as well as some themes. It looks like uh, from default, but you can get back to those under recommended apps. So they still have the option for you to grab them. They're just not coming prepackaged. Yeah. Um, looks like they've fixed some USB booting issues, which would be a big deal. So that's, that's well, a good thing. It was there. a really big deal for people because uh, it really wasn't, in my opinion, uh, on the website, it wasn't uh, noted anywhere where people would actually see it uh, or highlighted really well, I should say, that you had to treat the ISO before you put it onto a USB. So you could download the ISO but and you could try to burn it all day, but it just wouldn't work. It just wouldn't make a bootable Yikes. ISO. So you had to actually treat it with a terminal command before that happened. And that you know, was pretty sad for adoption wise because there were a lot of people that said, Hey, I can't get Farron OS running. I can't get Farron OS running. Well, now the ISO no longer has to be treated. So all you have to do is download it and use your favorite burning uh, or writing USB writer and put it on a USB and it works perfect. Gotcha. So will you be using Farron OS in the future? Would you check it out? Well, I'm probably going to put it on a test drive. I'm not, I'm not going to switch from Solus now because, you know, I'm You've a distro in love. I'm a distro hopper, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely am going to download it, put it on the, uh, USB and, you know, if there's time, make a video on it because I haven't had a whole lot of time for videos lately, but yeah, definitely going to try it. Excellent. 
Well, we've got some other items in the news. KDE ships KDE applications. So, you know, Rocco and I are both big KDE fans, but there's a list of KDE applications here uh, that are getting updated 17.08. And what comes with that? A whole list of apps ported over to the KDE Framework 5 now. You've got the Dolphin File Manager, the KIO Extras, KAlgebra, Contact, Console, all the ones that start with K. Uh, everything that like, starts with k man <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it's a little bold of a statement there not everything but a lot has been updated whole list of new apps yep well you know little things here and there like console now allows for unlimited scroll back to extend past two gigabytes now i don't know who exactly would need to go past two gigabytes but i guess it depends <laughs> on how far you want to scroll back uh, right but Again, we go back to the whole thing where this is just little updates here and there that just make it better and better and better. Absolutely. So they have more than 80 bugs that they've been that have been resolved in the 17.0 release, 0.08 release. So little by little it gets better and better including Caden Live. Yeah, and and in Caden Live they've got 17. 08 release, speaking of which, and that's fixing because that's one of our favorite programs to use. The right? best, the best right now. Uh, they've got a lot of fixes that they've listed out, subtle improvements, freezing effects, which can be super devastating if you've ever done video editing and all of a sudden your program freezes and you've lost all your work because you forgot to hit save. Oops. Although uh, yeah. I have never Although, done that in my entire life. <laughs> it's never happened. Wait, I was editing one of the the destination linux episodes and i had edited it probably for 45 minutes i had done little things added pieces that took things out and and it crashed oh and i gosh. and i had not hit save and it lost everything i had to go redo everything that i had did i'm like oh. it takes it's a lot it's a lot of work especially with these episodes they can be very long and it could take a long time to edit but even some of the short videos that I do, it can be devastating because short videos, you could have a ton of cuts that you've done in there and finally got everything synced and then something crashes. So getting on top of things like freezes, that's what I love to see here. So there's a nice list of subtle improvements, but mainly a lot of bug fixes, uh, most importantly. So if you have uh, the availability to go ahead and get that updated to 17.08, definitely recommend it. And they've added some new things like keyboard shortcuts I don't really use that type of thing. I guess I'm not that pro that I've got all kinds of keyboard <laughs> uh, shortcuts set up, but it's there if you want in frame extraction, navigation of the timeline effects, et cetera. So I do use some effects from time to time. So a lot of neat things out there. And mostly what I'm very happy about is seeing Caden Live continue to get supported. And that's such an important program for me in the Linux world. Uh, there are others out there you can use, of course, like Blender and things, but Caden Live has just been one of the ones that I fell in love with that during my 30 days of Linux was one of the programs, one of the main things I was worried about is how do I edit my videos? And it was out of all the ones I tried, it was one of the ones that I looked at and felt at home immediately from going coming from Adobe. So I'm um, really happy to see they're continuing to support it. Well, there are others out there, but oh, for free, but none mm -hmm. of them are better. So, yep, agreed. Well, we have some canonical news. So they decided to unveil. Where's the drum roll? <laughs> How good am I? <laughs> they decided to unveil the Ubuntu dock and what it's going to look like. So it's pretty much going to look like a dock. 
a duck. Unity. It's pretty much going to look like Unity. That's what it's going to look like. So there was much anticipation over what it was going to look like and what they were going to do with it. But it's basically a modded dash to dock dock. It's a vanilla. I, I almost feel like looking at the pictures that, I mean, you can see it's a little bit different, but for the most part, if you just saw somebody running this, you wouldn't necessarily think it wasn't the original Unity dock. I mean, there's slight subtle differences, but it's it's still on the left-hand side, and uh, it still has all the icons there that you're familiar with when you install Ubuntu. It looks very well. Look, this is normal. a this is a very um, a not I should say a not very customized dock. So when you have Dash to Dock extension installed, you have all these options and everything. What they're doing is they're just forking that and making a a vanilla type dock with only a few settings in it, which I found interesting that they're going to keep the settings. Okay. So if you install dash to dock, you will have mm -hmm. options for more settings than what you would have if you just ran the Ubuntu dock. So any setting that you have in dash to dock, if you install the extension will affect the Ubuntu dock as well. So raising the icons size, raising, uh, lowering, uh, the opacity of it, everything that you change in dash to docs. And that's exactly where you'd have to go to change these settings. So it, it's going to be integrated in the GNOME uh, settings for the new dock, but there are only going to be a few settings there. And you'll ha if you want more settings or if you want to customize it any more than that, you'll have to open up dash to doc settings or install it if you don't have it installed and open up the settings there. And that will affect everything. Well, one of the most noteworthy announcements for the Unity users out there, all three of them, is the option to upgrade your Unity launcher to Dash to Dock is going to, it's going to migrate your settings from your Unity launcher to your Dash to Dock out there when you're upgrading. So they're really wanting to give their user base this easy experience in migrating from what they're used to with the Unity launcher over into the GNOME one. So you'll have uh, all your settings that you've used in the Unity, it looks like, for the most part, will be pretty seamless transition there. Yep. And there's a few reasons why they say they have um, did a fork rather than just put Dash to Dock in. And one of those being is that it needs to be enabled in the default by default in like the live ISOs So after you install Ubuntu 17.10. So, but in order for that to happen, it needs to be in the repos and not an extension. So that's why it, they, well, okay, that's one of the reasons they say is why they did a fork rather than just use dash to dock. And they also said they want to offer a unique desktop, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> instead of using dash to dock that everybody uses. But either way, those are the couple reasons why um, they're actually making a fork rather than just using dash to dock. So Canonical has a tendency to be in the news every single week. They've got news items in here. They're making lots of changes, which leads me to the question, Rocco, is with all of the stuff that's been announced, all of this excitement around Ubuntu with GNOME, are you going to go check it out? And when I say go check it out, more than just check it out on a live USB, but install it and use it, are you a big fan? Well, look, I was going to, you know, I kept saying for weeks and weeks that I was going to switch to something else. I was waiting to switch to something else. But I was really waiting to see, you know, trying to see how long I could wait to hold out for the Ubuntu GNOME, you know, 1710 to come out. But 
you know, probably now that I'm on Solus, not going to happen. Not a lot of reason to switch. Not going to happen. I, I don't need to. So Solus is running awesome for me. And I will definitely download it, put it on a test drive, you know, but I don't think I'll be switching to it. Yeah, I I have this love with Ubuntu because it was the distribution that made me fall in love with Linux. It was one of the first ones I installed. And I think a lot of people would say Ubuntu was probably one of the first distributions that they used that got them interested in Linux. So I always like going back. And a lot of times, like I've mentioned in the past, if I really mess up my computer, <laughs> I, I will use Ubuntu to get it back to normal because it installs on anything and everything. It has one of the just most powerful installers that seems to be able to get past any dumb thing that I've done in the past to, to uh, see. I don't get do installed these dumb on my things. machine. Yeah, never, <laughs> never. <laughs> Well, if you hang out with me long enough, you just wait. Oh, my gosh. I've done that many times. But, yep. you know, the other thing they're going to going to do is uh, with GNOME, GNOME 3.26 is going to remove the app indicator uh, support, as far as I can tell. And uh, Canonical wants to keep that, or the Ubuntu GNOME people want to keep that. So they are actually... Uh, trying to keep support for that with the like the caps lock keys being on the number locks and that so it's, yeah it's, it's a little indicator at the top but this is a big when we talk about your operating system working for you or getting out of your way and that type of stuff this is one of those things i think about because how many times have you been sitting on a password screen and you're typing it in 50 times and it keeps telling you wrong and then you look down and you're like oh caps lock Yep. Well, you have to look down to see that, even though actually my keyboard illuminates and tells me the cap locks on, I still don't see it because it's kind of beneath me. Whereas if I have an indicator sitting at the top of my screen that says, hey, moron, you got caps lock <laughs> look, on. Look, man, we <laughs> right. look down here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it sounds like it's really a meaningless thing that they're going to keep that in there. But to me, that was a nice touch and something that I think people will appreciate Uh and, you may not appreciate it till you start typing your password in wrong 50 times. Then you'll be like, man, I wish they brought that back in. No, don't. <laughs> exactly. Oh, this next section is so you. Okay. I, I think I should just leave the room and just let you completely. Well, well it's funny because I was going to put this in and then I'm like, nah. And then Ryan puts it in. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would make you so happy. So this this article is awesome. This is seven of the best icon themes for Ubuntu, but you can use some of these themes in other. In fact, I used some of them within Solus. I uh, was able to change some of the themes out there and was playing with them. Um, but it should be noted, any of these themes you install, you're going to need a Unity tweak tool or a GNOME tweak tool in order to get in there and play with these themes. But what we want to do is go through the top seven and then Rocco, I want to know which ones are your favorite, which ones you use. Cause I really don't mess with themes. I only did after this article is probably one of the first times, but I guess I'm going to have to, if I keep hanging out with you, get used to this theming world. Well, you're going to get used to theming. <laughs> Trust me. You're going to be, you, after a while, you're going to be noticing those things like the budgie menu being up there. You're going to notice that stuff. But anyway, um, if you go through the list, I mean, we're going to go through the list, but if you just breeze the list, you're going to probably guess which one that I'm going to pick as my favorite. But let's go through them. All right. So the first one here is Papyrus. Papyrus? Papyrus? I don't know. It depends Papyrus, on who you Papyrus. are. Papyrus. Oh, gosh. This is the whole gnome, gnome I'm, I'm thing I'm telling again. you, it is. Oh, no. 
All right. So it's very colorful and modern looking. And some of these, some of this is the notes that kind of I've added when I was looking at them and playing with some of them. Um, this is considered one of the most popular theming items out there and noted as having a very engaged developers. And I like that piece of it because you don't want to install a theme and then you've got all these new programs will come out and you've got no icons for those themes. So having those engaged developers is very important. Uh, and apparently they are very responsive to new users adding in some of their requests. So Papyrus, because you didn't know the exact pronunciation, I'm going to guess it's not the one you use. Okay, so um, there's nothing worse than finding an awesome icon theme and mm-hmm. saying, this is the one. This is uh-huh. the icon theme that I'm going to use. I've chosen you. I've chosen this icon theme. Uh-huh. And then opening the menu and half of the icons are not there because it's just not a full featured icon set or the, it's not been uh, updated recently or whatever it may be. And yeah, it is great to see this developer say, Hey, just, you know, submit a new one. If you, if you're missing one, just submit it and we'll work. We'll make, that's, that's stinking awesome, man. Right. So, uh, Papyrus is very popular in its, uh, entirety, but, and it is one of the best out there. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, wow. So this may be the one. Well, I'm going to guess at the end. You got to tell us which one you actually are on. Uh, the icons look very beautiful. If you look at some of the artwork there, they're kind of, um, they're, they're not taking a specific shape. A lot of icon themes are either circular, they're square, but this, this doesn't seem to have that default shape. They kind of shape it more just based on the logo of the icon that they're using, which I found really neat and kind of well, refreshing. I don't think that it has to be, you know, there's icon sets that try to follow a certain, you know, circle, square, oval, whatever it may be, but I don't think an icon set has to be that way to look good. I agree. And this yep. proves it. So the next one on their list is shadow icon theme. So if you're looking for something shady, <laughs> man, <laughs> whatever, that's, that's great. <laughs> then this icon theme emerges because it's got shadows all around it. So it's kind of flat icons, but still modern looking. Um, it's well supported by the developers. It's noted as being well supported by the developers as well. Uh, it wasn't one that particularly interests me, but it looks good. It's not, it's definitely a good looking set. It just, uh, didn't really offer anything that made me want to go install it necessarily. What about you? Well, I've installed it before and used it. It is a very nice icon theme as far as the icons themselves. Uh, they have chosen to to make that or chosen the I mean, images that they've used have been really good. The problem is I'm not always good with the actual shadow of it. So yeah. when you look at something with that has multiple icons in it, like a folder or even the menu itself, uh, even when you're like when you're running GNOME and you do full screen with this, it's kind of like it doesn't. It's not my bag. It's a nice yeah. icon set. Uh, the images are nice, but the shadow kind of turns me <coughs> off. So no. Got it. So we know you didn't pick that one. We didn't pick that one. <laughs> the next one is uniform icon theme. Uh, so this one's kind of like guitar pickish theme or tear oddly shaped teardrops almost. We'll just say oddly shaped. Yeah. Um, this is unsupported officially at the moment, but you can get the unofficial uniform plus, which apparently is kind of a take on this original icon theme that is being supported. Um, and if, if you're really into guitar pick, teardrop looking icons this one really was just eh to me i'm not even a theme person i was just like eh. 
not for me, but maybe if you have a specific setup where you like that kind of uh, thing, there you go. Well, that's one of the best ones they say. Every, Top seven. Everybody's taste is different. So you're going to have people that love this and you're going to have people that don't like it. I'm yep. one of the guys that I'm with you. I don't really care for it. It's not uniform in any way. Um, and they, and like I said before, the icon set doesn't have to be uniform all over, but this seems like it goes the opposite direction where it's completely not uniform. So even though that's the name of it, uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Yeah, it's funny. So, uh, and no, it's not for me. So Numix, maybe this one's for you. Numix is a circle icon theme. So if you want to stick to the circular icons that may be popular on like, uh, oh, didn't iPhone have a bunch of circular icons for a while? It was a big thing. I don't know. You're the I iPhone think. guy. Oh, nice. Oh. One. <laughs> but at least iPhone's Unix based, you know? All right. So if you like this lashing of colors, as they call it, very circular theme, the Numix is one out there. But even more, if you're into the colors, would be vibrancy. Because that's the next one on the list. And vibrancy is just, it's just like somebody took highlighters and colored all the folders and icons out there, but square with more rounded corners in this theme. So between vibrancy and Numix, anything there you love, Rocco? Well, I'm not a fan of... Numix is a great icon set itself. I'm just not a fan of the circles. Okay, so they do have ver different variations of Numix. They have Numix Square and a couple other ones. So okay. the Numix icon set is a good icon set, and it's got a ton of icons in it. So you're not going to be missing many applications, but I'm not a big fan of the circle. The vibrancy one, uh, you can pick which color you have uh, for your folder. So you would pick one of those, blue, pink, whatever you have. I, I don't know if the... Um, the icon set themselves go with the actual folder icons because they the folder icons seem like a KDE hmm. Breeze type icon theme, yeah. and yet the icons themselves of the applications seem more like a older style type uh, icon. So that that's not my favorite. Gotcha. But we've only got two left here, and that is Mocha icon theme. And it's the rounded tile shapes. Uh, the, the pictures look fine in there. Kind of a flat theme uh, option. And then Obsidian yep. is an option out there, which is, I don't know. How would you describe Obsidian's icons for those listening? They're square. Well, they're square. Uh, they have an, an older style, uh, almost like the Fienza icon set. It's kind of like similar to that. Uh, the Mocha icon set itself is good. Uh, I don't like the folders. They had originally had like a blue set of folders in their icons, mm -hmm. I remember. And they switched it to like a pinkish type icon. That's not for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Obsidian is actually a really good icon set, especially the Obsidian Blue. So yeah. there's a different variation of it. There's orange and there's blue, and I prefer the uh, blue. So I would have to say here. Uh, Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. You use Obsidian. I have used Obsidian. Uh -huh. My favorite would be Papyrus. Really? Oh, yeah. Papyrus what's number interesting, one. What's interesting is somebody like me who knows nothing about theming, if you look in the show notes, I actually chose my my two favorite were Obsidian and Papyrus. They're, okay? the, they're the two best. You're learning. So I, <laughs> You're learning grasshopper. <laughs> Teach me. Oh, beautiful. So... Destination Linux podcast recommends Obsidian and Papyrus, but of course, 
you don't have to take our recommendation. You could go install any ones you want, even ones that are not on this list. But I thought this was a fun story because we know how much Rocco loves theming. And I think it would, thought it would be interested to see which ones you enjoyed. I actually did install Obsidian and Papyrus, Obsidian being my favorite out of the two. And uh, really like it. It's actually kind of neat to see the icons theme. So I am learning and, and seeing the joy of it here. Yep. Uh, well, there's many more icon sets out there. Um, and I actually am using Papyrus right now. So just so you know. There you uh, go. But you can install tons of different icons. And that's part of the fun of it. You know, when you're on Windows and systems like that, you basically take what they give you. And when you're on Linux, you can choose whatever you want. And that's awesome. Yeah. You take what you give you, or in some cases, you can buy icon sets and things like that. But all of this is all just takes stuff money. you can go grab and download. Right. Very, very easy. So speaking of money, the GPD Pocket, a seven-inch Ubuntu laptop, is now shipping. Yep. And there's people that actually have theirs in hand. Um, I was listening to the Ubuntu podcast. Actually, it was the... Ubuntu late night Linux podcast at OGCamp and one of the guys in the audience has had one and you can get it from Windows to Ubuntu but it looked fabulous dude to have a, a small form factor machine that was actually a nice machine you know they were I was reading all the articles and the reviews on it and stuff and the screen is absolutely amazing on it on, yes. a, on a system like that. 7-inch, 1920 by 1200 IPS, a way better resolution than what you get on most laptops yep. you're going to go out there and buy today. Plus the small form factor here, measuring a mere 7.1-inch by 4.2 inches at only 0.7 inches tall thickness there is quite amazing. You get a quad-core Intel Atom processor in there and 8 gigabytes of RAM, and that's the best part for me because a lot of times... When you're in this price range here of laptops, you get chintzed on the RAM. RAM has gotten very expensive or getting a lot, a lot more expensive. And RAM can be that, for instance, when I have that 2012 MacBook and even running Linux on it, it only had four gigs of RAM. And it tends to slow down once you get a bunch of applications up. Once I pump that RAM up to 16 gigabytes in that case, things obviously I have no issues with slowness or freezing or the lockdowns and that type of thing. And, and so it's really neat that they're coming, that's shipping with at least eight gigabytes of RAM here. And it seems to be very popular because their $494 version of this is already sold out. Can't get a hold of it, uh, at least at the time that, that we checked. And then there's a $509 version because I think 494 was kind of for the people who supported this on the Indiegogo first. Yep. And um, that one's still available and a $539 version, which you might as well spend the extra 30 bucks and you get a case uh, with that. So this is something I could definitely see being used right away um, and something that I would want to buy. Uh, because recently when I was going on a business trip, I have to carry my work computer. I have to have that with me. So my phone's too small for me to do any real work on. Right. And I still want a personal computer. I don't do personal things at all on my work computer. And so having something that's only seven inches, but has the power of a full computer 
this is something that I will own at some point. What about you, Rocco? <laughs> I don't know if it's something that I will own, only because I don't really have a use case for it. It would more be just for me just playing around with it. It would be awesome to get a hold of one just to play around with it, but it's not like I need something like that for a specific uh, sure. use case. Yep. So, but it would be awesome to play around with. Yeah, I think it looks beautiful. And what I love is that they got a, they've got an amazing success story here. Enormous support, three point five million dollars in support for this. When their original goal, two hundred thousand dollars to kick this start off. Is that right? Oh my god, that's amazing. So a lot of people felt the same way I do, and it does come in a Windows version as well. But I don't know why you'd want that, but it's there. <laughs> you wouldn't get that. You would buy the Ubuntu version. Hello. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> All right. So, Ryan, what are you playing this week? So, this week, I'm going to highlight a game called Nova Blitz, and there's a very specific reason I chose this game. Go ahead and ask why. Ryan, why yeah. did you choose Nova Blitz? Let me tell you, Rocco. <laughs> Great question. Now, uh, there are a lot of people who play a game called Hearthstone. It's a Blizzard game out there, and it is a very popular card, digital card game where you battle opponents, much like a Pokemon or a Magic, but it's Blizzard's version with the Blizzard kind of characters and storylines on the cards. In fact, it's available everywhere except Blizzard is like 10 years behind in the world of porting anything to Linux. We don't, nobody knows why. Um, so I've mostly sworn off anything Blizzard at this point, even though you can play it on your iPad, you can play it on your iPhone or your Android device because they're not supporting Linux. So I was looking for an alternative to this and I found Nova Blitz out there. It's a real-time digital card game set in the future universe. You've got five arcane energies here arcane tech divine nature and chaos and these are kind of like your card pack divisions that you get set up for um it has a fantastic training user guide so if you've not played one of these games before don't fear because it has a really nice and simple intro where you play against the ui and it trains you what each card does and what you're looking to do so it was very well done from that aspect it's completely free to play so you can go download it on steam right now and start playing Obviously, they make their money on microtransactions as you get addicted and you want to get more cards and things like that. You go in there and you could pay for some sets, kind of like Rocket League or any of those others yep. out there. Um, I didn't have any issues finding a match, but I will say that I kept getting matched with the same person over and over again. <laughs> so I don't think the, the population is huge for people at my level. It is level-based. So as you get up in the ranks, obviously, you'll play different folks, but... Uh, definitely would like some more competition out there. And if this is your kind of game, a card strategy game, go check it out so that there's some more noobs in there that we can play. And it's really well done. The graphics are great. There's a lot of animations and, and effects when you're attacking other players. And these are very fun, quick session games. About 15 minutes is all you're dedicating. And it's a lot of strategy and thinking to try to outsmart your opponent with using cards. Sometimes you don't have the better cards, but you play them in a smarter order and are still able to come out on top. Very cool stuff. So this is not my kind of game, but I do got a question for you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what? How do you feel about the free game that you pay for stuff later compared to a pay game 
and you still pay for stuff after. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think you, that's a good model is what I'm saying? I think you have, they, in this case, they have to be in that model because of who they're competing with. Hearthstone's obviously is free and then you pay and everybody, nobody's going to pay. If you're competing against them, nobody's going to pay, especially against the Blizzard game, which they're extremely popular. Um, but overall, do I like that model? It doesn't bother me. I mean, it, to me, either way, I, I want to support a, the developers of a game. I don't want play to win stuff. That's the big differentiator. I don't want you to be able to, if I'm playing a game and has microtransactions like Rocket League uses, where you're basically just making your car look different and kind of adding some, you know, effects that aren't necessarily going to change the entire dynamic of the game, then I'm right. completely good with it. And I know they can make a lot more money on microtransactions than they do even selling the games outright at 40 bucks because some of these people will spend thousands on this stuff. But if it's play to win, that's where I draw the line. If you have play to win elements in there where somebody can just spend 500 bucks and now nobody can defeat them, that's where I get really annoyed. Well, I don't think Battlefield is exactly like that. But for example, a game like Battlefield, what I get upset at is you'll buy a game like Battlefield and then you'll be playing it and it'll be absolutely awesome. And if you buy the DLC, that's great. You can download the new maps, the new guns, the new everything that comes with it. But if your friends don't buy that as well, they're left behind. And then it splits yeah. the community up and you're not playing with the guys you originally bought the game to play with. Where, you know, with Rocket League, it's only car looks and uh, little things here and there like the uh, exhaust that comes out. And so nobody is left behind as far as they can all still play the game. And exactly. that's, what, that's what's great about that now is um, Nova that way as well, where it doesn't affect the actual gameplay. Well, obviously, because you're unlocking is you as you're getting further in, you're unlocking different packs and cards and things. But there's a set limit of packs, and so far I've been able to unlock things without spending a dime. So I've been able to get rare cards and uncommon cards and all of these things by just playing. So as you play, you can earn coins. So it's going to take me a lot longer to earn that. And if I went and bought a pack, but ultimately we're all going to have the same set of cards either way at the end of the day. So from what I can tell, it's not that way. Right. Well, see, yeah. that's that's a good thing, because like in Battlefield, uh, Battlefield one, you can buy shortcut packs to weapons if you want to You mm -hmm. can have like a fifteen dollar shortcut pack to have every MG that's in the game. That's great. <laughs> but who wants to do that? You know, so it's good to see or hear that, you know, it doesn't affect the actual gameplay except for you learning to how to play it and get better at it. So. All right. Absolutely. So when we talk about triple A titles uh, coming to Linux, that's that's a big thing that comes up. People want to see triple A titles. They want the developers to port triple A titles. Pillars of Eternity has been on my wish list for a long time, and Pillars of Eternity 2 is coming out, and I would consider this a AAA title from Obsidian for sure. Um, it's been on my list for a long time because it's still 50 bucks, and so <laughs> it's hard for me to go out there and pick it up and spend that $50 when there's so many other games on my wish list that are like $4.99 at the moment, but eventually I'll get around to it. But what I love is Obsidian is continuing their tradition of supporting Linux, and that includes with Pillars of Eternity 2. And there's a lot of pirate themes here. So if you are into swashbuckling pirates, then this is going to be a cool uh, update on the number two version here with pets, character animations, of course, beautiful soundtrack, and their graphics 
are known obviously for being gorgeous and beautiful right. out there. So what do you think? Are you going to look at pillars of eternity? Not your type. Well, normally, see, but- you're going to, it's not my type normally, but you're going to, you're, you're going to have to get, you're getting, you're getting me into these RPG getting, games because you, like, into it. <laughs> yeah. you keep mentioning these over and over again. Um, so, but what struck me about this game was this was funded on fig and obsidian gathered $4.4 million in backing for this. million was pledged directly from players. That is absolutely awesome, man. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely something that I'm going to be trying out. Yeah, so I'm going to start installing themes, and you're going to start installing (laughs) RPGs is where we're getting at. Pretty Um, much. I really want to support Obsidian here because they are a, you know, in my opinion, a AAA developer, and they have kept their commitment to Linux strong and, um, it is my type of game, so it's easy to keep that commitment. But just overall, I recommend people look for companies like this because they're the ones who are going to draw in your other distributors. If they port to Linux, and obviously they're creating a number two and porting it right away to Linux, then people like Blizzard, who are directly competing with them, by the way, with things like Diablo, are going to have to take note eventually and should. So ultimately, it will be a great thing out there. So this is due to release next year. Yes. Yep. Nice. So you got to wait a little time here, but definitely go put it on your wish list and check it out. Yeah. All right. So there's a uh, there's a problem I have, dude. When when I'm playing on Linux, okay. The theme? No, it's past the theme. <laughs> okay. See, I buy Logitech products. Oh, and, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, actually, I like Logitech products. I don't like the fact that Logitech doesn't support Linux, and they refuse <coughs> to make drivers for Linux. But I do buy Logitech products because of how well they perform and how well they hold up. So the problem on Linux is you don't get to use the extra features of the mouse. So you don't get to use the extra buttons. Say you have you buy a mouse that has eight buttons, you can use two of them, three mm-hmm. of them. Sometimes you can use both back button, back and forward buttons, but they don't recognize anything as far as changing them to a, another key or anything like that. So... There's a story out there for a, a student who is developing a user interface. It's called uh, Piper. That's right. So it's going to be for configuring gaming mice on Linux. And I think it's absolutely awesome. I don't know how far along this program is, but it's awesome to see somebody, actually somebody doing something about the fact that gaming mice can't be uh customized on Linux. So what do you think? It's a huge problem. It it was a problem that I ran into when I did the 30 days of Linux. I had a lot of new people converting to Linux with me and they were leaving comments about their conversion to Linux along with the videos I was doing showing the good and the bad of, of my conversion. And one of the things that came up that wasn't easy for me to help people fix was this mouse issue because like you, they went and got Logitech products or Razer products. Razer super popular in the gaming world. And they were unable to do the configurations easily. And I, and I want to mention easily because, yes, you can go in there and there are certain programs that you can write little scripts for, or changes you can make in some portion of Linux somewhere yes. to be able to add some functionality to your button. But it's not invitable. It's not easy. And if you're trying to convince somebody hey, Linux is a so much better experience ultimately and you're giving them lines of code to go 
add into some random area just to add a mouse <laughs> button somewhere. It's annoying. I mean, yes, you can do it, but it's not user friendly. It actually was such an annoyance to me that I went and did my research and found out that a lot of pro gamers were using the Zowie FK2, which is made by Ben Q mouse. So on a lot of pro tournaments and things, they use this mouse. And one of the specific reasons is when you bring your mouse on a pro tournament or you're going on the road, you're not necessarily going to be plugging your mouse into your own computer. The the event will have computers there for you. Right. And so getting all those configurations done that you may have on your home rig is a big deal. Well, what the Zowie does is all of it is programmable on the mouse itself. So it doesn't matter what software is out there. So great workaround if you are in that shape. But an even better workaround is here, which is somebody's writing a program based on the Google Summer of Code event that they had out there to make these tweaks so that you can use your Razer mices and, and all those others to be able to uh, make the appropriate adjustments to your buttons, which is a big deal in the gaming world. Well, I don't know how far along this is. Like, I don't know how well polished it is as far as it's not going to be installed today. There's no release date yet as far as now you can go to GitHub and you can download it. Uh, but it was a little bit too technically involved for me to get running. But I just did want to note that Logitech does offer, and we're going to fight with this, <laughs> Logitech <laughs> does offer onboard uh, memory. So the settings do get uh, held in your mouse itself. So I can take this mouse to another computer and run it. Unfortunately, it doesn't carry over in Linux. I could take it to another Windows computer and it would run, but Linux doesn't recognize all of the keys all of the mm -hmm. time. So it doesn't recognize the keys that I have set for the thumb button and everything. So that's one of the well, problems. As you start getting into other games and things like that, you'll probably want to upgrade to Zowie and, and feel a little more manly. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody of, else is doing it, right? <laughs> right. Speaking of feeling manly out there, Vikings, Wolves of Midgard is out for Linux. So... Well, they actually had a small delay with their release with Linux, but that's been overcome and it's available now. Gorgeous art, epic monsters, story-driven RPG again. I guess you're right. I am jamming that in your brain. You, you are jamming <clears throat> RPGs. So, I yeah. mean, that's good. I mean, I'm I'm open to, uh, you know, new style I can't games. wait to get you in an RPG, man. <laughs> We're going to have so much fun slaughtering all these monsters. Um, so challenging gameplay. This is one of the ones where it's got mixed reviews. I think that's important to note in this particular case. But it's a lot of the reviews are about how challenging the gameplay is. Now, there is a whole market of people who love this type of challenging gaming. Those who play Dark Souls and those type of games where you're going to die a lot, but ultimately getting that victory feels so good. And that's kind of where Vikings Wolves of Midgard seems to be is in that that kind of realm. So you've got spellcasting, hack and slash and brutal battles that await you if you want to get in here. Very Diablo-esque again. Uh, but it's available right now if you want to go play. And I think it's even on sale. No, it is, in fact, on sale for the next week within Steam. So by the time you listen to this, it still should be on sale. And I think that sale price is about $14.99 if I looked earlier. Um, but So go check it out and see if it's something you're interested in. Well, I'm going to have to check it out because you keep jamming it down my throat. But <laughs> <laughs> it looks like I look, watching the videos of it and looking at the website and everything. It looks it looks absolutely gorgeous. So uh, yeah. it's something that I will check out. 
one of the things I liked in their videos is they showed the developers actually designing the game as well. And that always yep. lures me in having a brother that does development and stuff, seeing them actually work on it and their passion for it. It makes me just want to buy it from that standpoint alone. You well, know? that gives you the human element and it's not just mm-hmm. a, a game you play, but it's, but it's actually people thinking all of this in their heads and, and having the vision to see all of this actually play out. So it gives that human element. It's awesome. Absolutely. All right. So, um, do you like being watched, Ryan? I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. In fact, there's a couple of times where I've had calls with you and I've had to switch my Logitech camera back around because when I'm not doing something, I'm so scared that I'll accidentally be on stream or be recording something that I, I'm one of those weirdos that will turn my mic around or my webcam around when I'm not using it. Well, you're going to need to turn a lot of things around. <laughs> What's right, going on? So, so this is not exactly uh, Linux related, but it is a, a fun story. Okay. So in less than five years, 45 billion cameras will be watching us. Oh, my God. Think about that for a second. Just step back and think about that. Five years, 45 billion cameras. Anywhere heard- from traffic lights to uh, stores to your home, your phone, your computers, everything. What do you think, man? I already feel like it's too much with what we have. I don't know. What do we have now? 25 billion? (laughs) I think think it's way too many cameras and things going on. And the, the other interesting thing about this is they're talking about 360 degree cameras. And there are new phones coming out right now. The big one is the Essence uh, that has, or it's the essential that has the 360 degree camera add-on for your phone and things. So now my idea of just taking the camera <laughs> and turning it around means nothing it's because not everybody could see it. You've got security camera systems. Like I have the blink security camera system, uh, which utilizes of course, cameras. Um, you've got them on your phone. You've got them on your tablet. You've got them on these home integration devices. Now, Amazon just released their new version of echo which has, guess what, cameras in it. So now they can record your conversations and take pictures of what you're doing. If you thought you were going to get away with something in court before, you're never going to get away with it now because they're going to have a million cameras and things on you. So there's some good things that come with these cameras, but there are also some really bad privacy invading things that come here. And at some point, somebody's going to have to draw the line. And my biggest fear is I think the general population doesn't, think about their privacy. They think I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't break big laws. I don't go out murdering people or doing drugs. So therefore I have nothing to worry about, but they don't think about the fact that it could be small things that get recorded or said that are taken out of context. Or it could be things like maybe you got lost your temper and yelled at your kids one day and you lost your temper and it was just one of those snap food things well, then you and your wife aren't doing so well. So you go to court, but your wife now has that on video and plays it for the court or vice versa. Now all this stuff starts to matter, even though you're not a lawbreaker. So I'm really concerned about where do you draw the line on all of these cameras, who can turn them on and when, and trusting companies like Google Chrome. 
<laughs> well, speaking of Chrome, uh, no, but it's not just the cameras. It's it's the cameras and it's also the recordings of everything else. There's a microphone in everything. So right. all of that can be combined. Uh, everybody's buying Amazon Echoes or Google Homes. Uh, so there there's going to be in, in the few in these next couple years, there's going to be so much that could be tied together and in the wrong hands. It could make for a very big mess. And yep. I, like you said, there's not many people concerned about it right now, but they really should be concerned about it because in the right hands, you got nothing to worry about, I guess. In the wrong hands, that information could be very, very bad. Very, very bad. Yep. So it's definitely something to think about. And, and, and I think it does relate to Linux on the fact that a lot of people come to Linux because of the privacy concerns out there. And so privacy is very important to Linux users, generally a little more technical, uh, understand some of the things that can come with some of this technology. And so, you know, it, it is something that the industry, the population is going to have to push back on the industry, though, before the industry takes a step back and says, are we implementing these technologies in a responsible manner that people care about? And for the most part, Amazon Echo and things like that have enough alluring features that are cool, like being able to play Jeopardy on it, wow, or make a list or read recipes to you that people are just like, whatever. And I can tell you in having one of these devices, and, and I was doing a video that I haven't released, but I have it with an Amazon Echo that was sent to me for free. And what was interesting is this device was recording even when it wasn't supposed to be. It yep. was recording my kids and they were small snippets, but at some point it heard something like Alexa and it started recording. So there were things being recorded at that point that when I wasn't using it and you can go in Amazon's case and go in and listen to all of those and delete those recordings. Of course, you're assuming they're actually deleting them off their database. Correct. That stuff's being so stored on there and there's not a lot of information on how long they store it or where they keep it and all of this stuff. So I think it really is important as Linux is a leader in security and privacy and things like that, that the community does start thinking at what point does this become too much? Well, it, nothing gets deleted, man. It, it, they may say they delete it off the server, but it's always out there somewhere. Right. So it's definitely something to consider and think about when you're actually going to purchase some of these things. So. You know what won't spy on you, though, Rocco? What won't spy on you? Anything you buy from the Destination Linux store. <laughs> <laughs> we put cameras in nothing. Your coffee cups, camera, and microphone free. T-shirts are camera and microphone free. We're leading the way in privacy. We are leading the way. So um, <laughs> it says privacy right at the top. Can't you see it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no. Um, the... Actual, the Teespring campaign has ended for the Destination Linux apparel that we were um, selling, but I am going to renew that today, so you'll be able to go and purchase anything you want from a mug to a t-shirt, sweatshirt, different colors, and uh, I don't know. I got one. I think um, it's pretty nice myself. What do you think? And we guarantee MSG free. Absolutely. Um, the coffee tastes better, dude. In this <laughs> mug, the coffee tastes better. MSG free and camera microphone free. Absolutely zero fat in any of our products. Nothing. Uh, Nothing fact, bad in them. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a vegan, still can be proud of our products and use them. We, we've thought of it all, Rocco. That's right. Yeah. All right, Ryan. So where are you going to be this week, man? 
I'll tell you where I'm going to be. I'm going to be destroying these 14 year olds in Rocket League with you. <laughs> I got people are going to get sick of hearing about Rocket League, uh, but we are going to be on Rocket League playing. So uh, we're going right. to we're going to take them down this time. Last week we didn't fare so well. I'm just no. saying, but this week's going to be different, man. Last week was our that was kind of our warm up. Yeah. part of our season. This is oh, where we start playing. Our five or sixth warm-up. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting better. So you definitely come check us out live. That will be on the DOS Geek channel. And then immediately following that on Fridays, generally we play Rocket League on Fridays. Sometimes we'll do it on a Thursday or Wednesday. For the most part, it's generally Friday. And following that, you get to go to Big Daddy Linux and and join in there. And everyone can join in. And have a big party, right? That's it. So yeah. we're going to do Friday Night Live again. Uh, it's a weekly live show, that live stream that we do. And we all pretty much get together on an appear-in website window. And we stream it to YouTube on the Big Daddy Linux channel. And it's a great conversation. Sometimes this lasts three or four hours, man. I mean, it like, does go on. It does go on. I generally watch it from bed because it goes on till midnight, 1 a.m. Uh, but it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of great conversations that, that do go on there. Well, what's great about it is it is just normal, everyday users of the community. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not everybody that's technical. There are technical people on there. Michael Tunnell comes on and a few others. Uh, but it's a lot of users just talking, just having a fun conversation about something they love. So, yep. all right. So I want to thank everybody that has supported us on the Patreon page. And we actually are switching our website this week over to a new hosting site. And I do want to thank Joe from Late Night Linux, Joe Resington. He has helped us out tremendously over the last couple months doing our website for us. He was basically taking care of it. He would make all the posts for us. Uh, he hosted it on his servers and he did an awesome job of helping us out. Uh, we are migrating over to a actual hosting server and we will be taking over the reins of posting everything and uh, uh, making the website what we want it to be. But again, I want to thank Joe for all of the help he's given us. And definitely go check it out and tell us, you know, as we make changes, things that are working for you, things that aren't how you utilize the site, let us know. So if we make a change and it impacts the way you use the site, we definitely want that feedback. But uh, Rocco has taken his uh, dream job here and started working with some of the theming. And it, it really does make a huge difference. It's looking beautiful. And uh, so definitely go out there and look for uh, some of those changes as we get all of that implemented and give us the feedback. So we know, make sure it's still working uh, for you the way you want it to work. All right. So that's destinationlinux.org. You can email us at comments at destinationlinux.org. Or you can join us in the Telegram group at destinationlinux.org forward slash Telegram. So everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. See you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. 